Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Hear now these words. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was served him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This can only be the sadness of the heart. Then... I was very much afraid. I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies waste, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, And if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me back to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen was also sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, Let letters be given to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the gracious hand of God was upon me. This is the word of God for you the people of God. Thanks be to God. I come before you today as a tired individual. I will say that this weekend has been quite a weekend. On Friday, our oldest son and his wife closed on their very first house that they purchased. And so we had rented a U-Haul and went Friday evening to pack up his apartment and get it all loaded up. And as we knew, this was going to be one of the hottest weekends of the year. We decided Friday evening to go ahead and make the drive from Raleigh down to out just outside of Sanford where their new house is. And so we went ahead and made a delivery on Friday night and got back late after driving back to Raleigh. Then Saturday morning, we had another task before us because the apartment that Jacob and Caroline were moving out of, our other son, Aaron, was moving into. And so that led us to having to go to storage units and unloading storage units and then moving Aaron into the apartment. And I'll tell you what, Saturday afternoon, moving him into that apartment as rain was starting to fall around Raleigh, And then the heart, we saved the hardest part for last. We were moving, Aaron, for whatever reason, he has a king-size mattress. I mean, he's the skinniest little boy, but he has a king-size mattress. And to have to carry that king-size mattress all the way up the stairs, it had to be a comedic sight. 
is my dad is with us this weekend. So dad was there. He and Aaron were on the bottom and I was on the top and we were trying our best to get it up. Let me just say that having us all together, it was quite a moving experience. And so <laughs> I saw that thumbs down in the back. <laughs> and so I give thanks the, uh, that the Spirit of God is with us today. And look, if you take a nap during the sermon, I understand. I might too. I'll try my best to stay awake. But I do want to just continue. As Pastor Corey said, our heart goes out to Derek. Uh, and we recognize uh, the loss that he's experienced. When Derek sent that message to us on Friday evening, uh, my heart just couldn't help but be broken for him, having lost his mother just a couple years ago and then now his father and that distance uh, being so far away. So we do lift up Derek. And as we come together in this time, let us go to God once again in prayer. God of grace and God of mercy, we give thanks for the ways that you hear us when we cry. We give thanks for the way that you bring peace into the midst of our storms. Today, Lord, we give thanks for the life of Vance Brashears that has now been made complete. And we lift up Derek and his family and all those who may grieve in this time, praying that you might extend your peace to them. We recognize that you can be glorified through all things. So, Lord, we pray that your glory would be made known and that they would feel that peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, in these moments that we share together, Lord, I pray that you once again would pour out your spirit upon us. Transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears, may they penetrate our hearts and be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. I have enjoyed over this summer as we've begun looking at some of those Old Testament stories that we knew from long ago, and maybe we have forgotten even some of those stories, but it's been fun to dig back in and to recognize how they continue to speak to us today. Last week, I so enjoyed hearing Pastor Corey remind us of a passage that some people were not quite as familiar with as others, the story of Balaam and his talking to use New Revised Standard Version, donkey, uh, his talking donkey. And, and what a wonderful message of how God speaks to us. And we were, have been reminded over the course of this summer already so far, we've talked about Moses, we've had a chance to talk about Job, we've had a chance to interact with some of these stories. And today, once again, we're digging into one that maybe we might not be as familiar with, and yet it's one that still can speak so much to us. So as we're going through our oldies playlist, it's been fun to continue to hold back some of those memories, to come back to those. And as I was thinking of the story of Nehemiah, I was reminded that we all go through uh, something difficult that we need to ask for help. And so when I came up with the sermon title, I thought, oh, this is a great sermon title, When to Ask for Help. And then I realized I am the worst 
person to present a message on when to ask for help because I am one that is so incredibly reluctant to ask anyone for any kind of help. I can do this on my own. I'm stubborn when it comes to asking for help. I know none of you are like that, but that's the way that I am. And uh, Pastor Corey, as she's leading a, a small group on the Enneagram, that's been something that has been helpful for me to understand how God has created me and the way that I interact with others in the world. And, and if you know anything about the Enneagram, I I've learned that I'm a number two, and as a number two, that means I'm a helper, and so I am the person that wants to come alongside to help somebody else. I'm not the one that wants to have to ask somebody else for help. That's, that's hard for me to do. That may, I think it's in our nature. It's hard for all of us to have to ask for help. However, inevitably, we're going to face circumstances. We're going to face times that we are going to have to ask for help. And that's one of the things that I learned from Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, that, that we are going to have those times that maybe we experience a broken heart. Can you think about the first time that you experienced a broken heart? Maybe it was a time that you were back in elementary school and there was that one individual in class that might have captured your imagination or your eye. And so one day you got the courage, the boldness, to get out a sheet of paper, and you write on that sheet of paper, I like you, do you like me? And then you draw a little square, and you put beneath that square, yes. Then you draw another little square, and you write underneath that one, maybe. You don't wanna give them the chance to say no. No, you, you then draw another square, you say no. You fold it up and you put the name on there and you look around and make sure the teacher's not watching because you really don't want the teacher to intercept that note and have to read it in front of the whole class. So you hand that note, you pass it to that little special somebody. They read it and then you see them get that pencil or crayon or pen, whatever, and you see them make a mark and you're excited with anticipation and they pass it back to you and you open it up and you see the wrong box has been checked. Broken hearted, broken hearted. I mean, that's, sometimes that's the first experience that we have of, of heartbreak. Or even it, if it wasn't that kind of circumstance for you, maybe it was a time that you lost your first pet. Oh, maybe it was a goldfish or a dog or a cat or that pet gerbil and, and that pet died. And maybe that was the first time you experienced loss of life. You know, that just can be heartbreaking because a pet becomes a part of the family. I know, I just experienced that because for the past week and a half, two or three weeks, we've had to keep one of my son's cats at my house. And that's become my grand cat. And so every day we had to keep, we have a cat, so we had to keep them separate. But every day I'd go in and spend time with that cat and that cat and I formed a bond. And after Aaron got moved into his apartment, I had to, he came over last night to get his cat and I had to tell him, look, we've had a talk. The cat decided the cat wants to stay with me. Doesn't want to go home with you. That is my grand cat now. And we formed this bond and it, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna fool anybody by saying it didn't hurt seeing him go out, the, out of the house with him carrying that cat. cat. Animals become a part of the family. And so maybe as a child, you experience that heartbreak 
of losing the first animal. But you know, whether it's as a child and we lose it over a relationship or at losing the life of someone or something close to us, we understand there are times that we have a hurt that we can't hide. We have a hurt that is very real. We're carrying burdens that other people may notice, but we try to cover it up and we try to hide it. There's a, a commercial on TV for certain pharmaceutical that is to able to help people during those very difficult times. And you may be familiar with this particular commercial. The person, may, their countenance may show that they're sad, that they're struggling, but they'll hold up a little mask that is a circle smiley face sign. And they'll hold that up in front of them. And somebody may even recognize something's not right. And they'll say, are you okay? And the person will say, I'm all right. I'm fine. Their voice, their countenance might say one thing, but they hold up that mask that says, everything's great. You know, I mean, we all do that at times. We all put on that mask. We all put on that face at times. I mean, there are times that I'll watch people walking into the church. It might even be my face walking into the church. Getting out of the car, maybe it's one of those days you're just not feeling it and you're struggling. But as soon as you walk in the door, you encounter somebody that sees you and speaks to you. Hey, how you doing? Hey, isn't it great? But inside, it's, it's us putting that mask on. And I think that Nehemiah himself, Nehemiah shows up. He shows up for work. Nehemiah is a Jew that is serving in the court of the king of Persia. Nehemiah is serving as the cupbearer. And as he is serving as the king's cupbearer, this is an important job. He has worked himself to this point. He's enjoyed the opportunity to live in the house of royalty. And as he's had this big job, this tremendous job, he receives word. He receives word that back home in Jerusalem that the walls have been torn down, that the city lies in ruins. This breaks his heart. That's home. That's his hometown. That's where his ancestors are buried. That's where he likely still has family. That's where he has connections. That's who has helped form and shape him into who he is. And he finds out that the city lies in ruins, that the walls are destroyed. And a city, even though the city of Jerusalem was a city on a hill, it's still without walls. There's, it's defenseless. And he's so far away. And yet he still shows up for work. And so as Nehemiah shows up for work, the king notices he might have his mask up, but the king still hears his voice. The king still notices. king says, what's wrong with you? You're not sick, so why are you sad? Nehemiah knows he can't hide it. Nehemiah knows that he can't hide it. So he says, how can I not be sad when I find out that the city of my ancestors lies in ruins and the gates have been torn down? The king perceives that there's something wrong here. Note that Nehemiah hasn't yet asked for help. So the king pushes and says, and what can I do for you? Nehemiah then prays to God and then Nehemiah tells him, he says, send me back. Send me back that I might help my people to rebuild the walls. The king asked him, how long will you be gone? And he, he gives him a time frame. 
And then he asked the king, also send me a, a, a letter to allow safe passage for me to return safely and to send a letter that I might be able to gather the timber and everything that is needed to be to rebuild. And so the king sends him on his way. It's a beautiful story in many ways about Nehemiah finding out about his heart being broken and then going to the king and the king allowing him to leave and him going back to Jerusalem and then just 52 days rebuilding the city gates, the walls to be able to allow protection. I mean, it's a remarkable story, but this is not a story about what is remarkable about what one person can do. Instead, this is a message about what can happen when we finally seek the help we need. Nehemiah learned this lesson about when to ask for help. And I think this is a relevant lesson for us to learn when we can ask for help and need to ask for help. So today, that's the way that we're looking at this. And when I look at the story of Nehemiah, I think number one, first of all, we need to ask for help when the problem is bigger than us. When the problem is bigger than us, and look at all the obstacles that Nehemiah is facing. He is geographically far, far away from the problem that he is facing. And the people had no materials to be able to rebuild the city, to rebuild the walls. And the people had no real will of their own to take on this massive undertaking. And there was this opposition to rebuilding from the neighboring enemies. This is a massive problem that Nehemiah is faced with. You know, we face massive problems that are bigger than what we can deal with on our own. We deal with things, and there is so much hatred and anger within the world today. There's so many acts of violence. It seems like every day there's another act of violence. And these are problems that are so much bigger than what we can deal with on our own. The pandemic seems to continue on as numbers continue to rise once again. And it feels like we're never going to get out of this. We're living in a time where financially so many people are struggling as the cost of inflation continues to go up and up. And it's seems to be so much more and more difficult for all of us. But on top of all of these things, we're living in a time where there's still so much racial injustice and there's so much separation and there's so many different things that divide us. These are problems that are too big for us alone. They're so much bigger than what we could do on our own. So when a problem is bigger than us, that's when we need to begin to ask for help. Believe from Nehemiah, we also can learn that we need to ask for help when the problem begins to be personal. You know, he's received this bad news. Now, for many others, they might have just thought, oh, that's so bad for the people of Jerusalem. Their walls are torn down and their cities in ruin. But for Nehemiah, it was personal. That was the city of his ancestors. These were the people who shaped and formed him to become who he is, who he has become. This has become something personal. You know, when things become personal, that's when we turn to asking for help a little bit more. You know, I'm reminded that when the war in, the, in Ukraine started out, we were familiar with a couple of our neighbors who had fled from that part of the world after the disaster at Chernobyl. They had fled from that part of the world, came to America with nothing, and yet they stayed here. 
and worked hard to try to build a life, a new life together. And so when the war in Ukraine started, one day Jennifer and I were out walking our dog through the neighborhood. We had seen the horrible news. We had read the articles online. We had heard about what was happening. But I wanted to ask Dina. I knew Dina probably still had friends and had family there in the Ukraine. And so as we were out one day, I encountered her and I asked her, how is she doing with all that was going on in the news? And she began to tell us about how she called back and she spoke to people who were right in the midst of it all. And she began to tell things that I had not even seen in the news or read about. She talked about how Russian soldiers were kidnapping children and then taking those children and placing them on top of the tanks as they went through the city to try to serve as a safeguard so that snipers might not shoot down upon them as they themselves were continuing their blast upon the city. And hearing her tell these stories, this was not just something on the news for her. This was something personal. And when things become personal for us, that's a time that we've got to find a way to begin to seek help. That's when it becomes real for us. And there's so many troubles and ills in the world. There's something that's personal for us. And when it becomes personal, that's a time we cannot just sit by and watch. And so we've got to begin to seek help. We've got to ask for help. We've got to ask for help in addition. When people oppose us, we, ask for we should ask for help when there are those that stand in opposition. Israel's enemies did not want them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Why? <laughs> to make it even easier to come back in and conquer. Of course they opposed. Motion in the kingdom of God always creates friction of some sort. Whenever God moves forward or God's people move forward, the enemy always increases the opposition. And that's really when the heat is turned up. <laughs> you know, I heard it said one time that a church where everybody's getting along and there's no problems means that the devil's already won. <laughs> when we move forward in the kingdom of God, there's going to be friction. And that's a time that we need to begin to seek help. Because when there's that friction, when there's that opposition, when there's that resistance, sometimes we can feel oh so alone. And it's like the devil has us right where he wants us, that we feel oh so alone. But it's when we meet that resistance, when we meet that opposition, that we can go to somebody else and define we are not alone. And that God is the one that comes alongside and sends alongside us those to walk faithfully in the journey. So we ask for help. We should ask for help when there are those that oppose us. But I think also we should ask for help when we first have shared the problem with God. We ask for help when we first have shared the problem with God. When the king sees the countenance of Nehemiah and he recognizes there's something that is going on and he asks him, why is it that you are sad? For I know that you're not sick and you've never been sad in my presence before. Nehemiah first prayed to God. He shared with God the problem. I'm sure God already knew the problem. But he shared with God the problem in that moment. You know, so many times, think about it. God is always right there ready, willing, and waiting for us to come to bring those problems, bring those burdens, bring that broken heart to him. 
Jesus himself said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's standing right there with wide open arms, and yet we continue to carry that burden on our own. I'm reminded of that old hymn that we're going to sing today also about what a friend we have in Jesus. Y'all know that song? Yeah, there's one particular verse in that song that I find is so fitting and it convicts to the heart. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We carry these burdens. We carry this heartbreak. We carry all these struggles, these things that we're fighting with. And we carry it on our own. But we don't have to carry it on our own. For God has said, come to me. Oh, he says, bring it to me. We should ask for help. And we first ask God for help. We've carried the problem to him. And the last thing, I think we should ask God for help when we ourselves are willing to do our part. God wants to be our partner. God wants to be our partner in life. But we've got to be willing, first of all, for us to be willing to step up and do our part. Nehemiah was ready. Nehemiah said, send me. Send me with safe passage. Send me to be able to get the timber, and I will help rebuild these walls. And Nehemiah helped rebuild those walls in those 52 days. And then Nehemiah was able to read once again the scriptures and for the people of God to hear that word once again and to repent. Nehemiah was willing to do his part. Too many times we ask God for help, but we're not willing to take the next step and to do our part. I believe that God is calling on us to be willing to take that step. I think about as the people of Israel were going through the wilderness and they come to the Jordan River. The Jordan River is prohibitive from them being able to cross over. And so God, through Moses, tells the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant to go and to step into the river first. They had to step into the river before the waters were parted. They had to step into it first, making that step of faith. For us, when there is something we need help, we've got to be willing to step and say we're willing to take action. We're willing to get the help that we need. We're willing to ask for the help that we need. The help that something inside of us has been saying for oh so long, I need help. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this change. But we ourselves have not been willing to make that change. We're all of a sudden praying that God's going to do this divine act without us ever taking that step. But I believe that God is calling us first to be willing to take that first step. Say, God, I'm ready to go. Would you walk with me into this new change? I get it. It's hard. Sometimes we don't want to take it to God because we're scared of what God is going to say that we're going to have to do to make those changes in our lives. I get it. It's hard. Maybe you're struggling with things that are, maybe it's physical fitness and health, and maybe you're trying to figure out how in the world you're going to fitness all this into your life. It's such a busy time. And so how are you going to work this in? And so we're scared to maybe take that step to begin to address those needs of our health. Maybe it's a relationship. A relationship that we, we're scared to really put the work into. Or maybe it's a relationship that we're scared to acknowledge is already over. 
Maybe it's, it's the stress of work that we have put upon ourselves and it's becoming so much of a heavy burden that we're afraid to ask for anyone else for help because we don't want anyone else to know that we even need help. Maybe it's we're tired of carrying the mask. Friends, God has called us to come to him. You don't have to carry this alone. We can come to him. Today, like listening to the example of Nehemiah, may we be willing to come and say, I need help to acknowledge the reality of that. And may we be willing to step in and to do our part. Today, you know, I give thanks that we as a church have so many people that are willing to come alongside you in your time of need. But we got to first be willing to acknowledge it. We got to first be willing to say, I need, I need help. Today might be that day. <laughs> Pastor Corey last Sunday talked about how some, God even had to use a donkey to communicate the word of God. Well, if God can use a donkey, then maybe he can use me. And so maybe today this is your sign. Maybe this is the sign you've been looking for. You've been tired of saying, I need help. Maybe today is the day that we can step and say, I'm ready for the help that I've been looking for. Let us pray. God, you are our constant strength in time of need. You are our help in troubling times. Lord, we may have been carrying our burden for so long that we have grown so weary. And yet today, may we be reminded you sent your son Jesus Christ to come and to pay a price that we ourselves could never pay. You were willing to offer that help before we even asked. And yet we still have got to ask. We still have got to be willing to receive that help. And so today, Lord, whatever it is we're struggling with, whatever it is we've been holding on to, maybe heartbreak, maybe it's been that continued battle of stress, maybe it's something physical, maybe it's something emotional, maybe it's something spiritual, whatever it is, it begins today with us acknowledging, Lord, I need help. And so may you pour out your Holy Spirit and give us the strength and the courage to, to pray that, Lord, help me. And may we feel that transformation begin today. Give us guidance and the steps to find the help that we need and bring those alongside us so that we know we do not have to make this journey alone. So Lord, in your mercy, may you be glorified through all things. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.